and all three of their tailbacks are over seven yards per carry average. Frazier adding more numbers, more yards to those. Big, oh, they don't have them yet. Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Redcast Rob, and I'm here with Honky. Uh, Redcast Nation's over 26,000 followers now, officially passing Norfolk to become the seventh largest city in Nebraska, and you're next Fremont. <laughs> nice. And that's not Fremont, California, just to be clear. That's Fremont, Nebraska, for, for those correct. of you listening in from my home state. And uh, Red, I'm here with Redcast Boomer. Uh, speaking of your home state, Rob, I'll just be monitoring the uh, interweb tonight, seeing if uh, this podcast has more members than the Pac-12 does, but by the time it's over. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is... Uh, and, uh, well, tonight we have a special guest with us while we're uh, waiting for Redcast Dave to come back and make an appearance and make that five teams in the uh, pack Redcast. Um, a man who needs no introduction to Husker fans, and we are a Husker podcast, and that would be Touchdown Tommy Frazier. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. Just got back in town from a five-day trip for business, and, you know, when we talked about this, I made sure that I was going back in town make sure we can do this, do this interview. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's uh, I will say that you know our our mutual friend Gary Novotny, who uh, owns oh gosh, Gary Michaels in downtown Lincoln, right? And a lot of those kids, South, South all, Lincoln, South, oh Lincoln. South Lincoln, South, South Lincoln, Lincoln yes. my bad. Um, but all the kids when when we saw the press conferences last week, and you know when all those kids are suited up every week on TV, and we're watching those, a lot of people don't realize that Gary's the one putting those suits on them and making them look that good. Um, you know, he's been working on some great things with some of the guys on the team lately. Um, you know, he suits up all the coaches. He also happens to own the, uh, what is it? The, the, big go, big go big of the Rockies, go big. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So go big red shop of the Rockies up in Estes park. And, um, just, and coming up right before the Colorado game, there's going to be a great event up there for all of the, uh, alumni, uh, Husker alumni that are in Colorado or coming out for the game battle and boulder and sure enough it's going to be featuring you and uh adam Carricker is going to be out there as well and if, and i think some other players and some other personalities i know a few members of the red cast including myself will be there at the event uh you want to tell us a little bit about that and you know what what it's all for and what's going to be going on that night well it's going to be an exciting night you know it's going to be a second night to where fans alumni can come out and meet myself and some Adam character and some other former Huskers. It's one of those deals to where back then when I was in an old Big Eight, Colorado and Nebraska became a huge rivalry amongst each other. And so now that now that they're playing again this year and next year, what better way to celebrate the rivalry coming back? Not in a, in a every year deal, but just a two year deal. And so I know a lot of Nebraska fans going to be traveling to Colorado for that game. So why not put on a, a special event to where? People come out and, and and just talk Nebraska football, mingle with each other, and have a good time. Yeah, it it is. And if uh, if you don't have your room in Boulder yet, check out rooms up in Estes Park. It's only about a forty five minute drive or so into Boulder day of the game, and it's an early game, so 
you know, prices for hotels up in Boulder or out in Boulder are just through the roof right, right. now. I live, I live about an hour away in Greeley and uh, I'll be happy to be staying in my own bed. Um, but if you do go up to uh, Estes, there are um, some tickets still available, I believe, for for this event. I, not very many, though. I will say that. I think last I, when I talked to Gary last week, there's about 15, 20 tickets left for it. But there's also a bus that you can uh, pay to get on in the morning that will take you from Estes to the game. And then after the game, take you back to Estes. And there will be some food and beverages on the, on that bus for people to enjoy and hang out and go to see the game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're, tra- we're, we're, we're actually in conversation to partner with blur parties who who travel around to all different game stadiums where Nebraska plays and put on big tailgates where food you pay one price, get food, drinks and be able to watch the game there. If you don't have tickets going to the game. So it's going to be a fun time, exciting time. And we just we just I'm just happy to be part of it. Yeah. The best part about that for me is that um, the buses are actually centered and located in Greeley. So the morning of the game, I believe I'm actually going to be able to jump on one of the buses, go up to Estes with the driver, get on, and then he'll just bring me back home at the end of the day as well. So that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and that's key there because you don't want people out drinking and driving. So. No, no, not especially, at all. Especially early. I, I heard about the police in Colorado. They're, 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 they're not very nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I got pulled over on my way home from uh, – I was out in Nebraska last week, and – on my way home, I actually got pulled over in Sedgwick County out by Julesburg. Um, on my way home, I was going like all things like 88 and a 75 or something. And he pulled me over, checked my license, did all that. And then he told me he was going to let me go with a warning. And as he walked away, he said, go big red. Cause I was still wearing my Nebraska shirt. So, I mean, they aren't all bad people. There's, there's good people. Out here well, that's, that's one, that's one out of 27. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's still one better than none. That's right. You're you're absolutely correct. So, I mean, let's, uh, let's do this, Tommy. I mean, let's talk a little bit about uh, you and, and your career with the Huskers and um, you know what, just, oh man, there's just so much to talk about, I suppose. So um, you know what? I'm going to let Boomer, do you want to, do you want to ask any questions or honky, you guys have a question you want to open up with initially? Cause, cause I know I have a few and I, you know, <laughs> would love to give other people a chance here first. So. Uh, I could just ask a quick warm up question. Uh, Tommy, we used to shop at the same blockbuster video back in college. I used to see you there. Uh, who's your favorite uh, director or movie? What did you like to rent? So. Well, my, my favorite movie of all time is the negotiator. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge Samuel Jackson fan. And, and just watching him and just different roles. He, he, it seems like any role that he plays, he can win an Academy for it or Oscar, whatever you want to call it. But something about that movie, it showed me the depth of his character because it went, it was more, it, it was sent you through a lot of range of emotions to where it was a loving and then it got to be more of the villain to where you're not going to do anything to me. So negotiate his family. It, it doesn't matter. If it comes on with commercials, no matter if, it, if I'm on a plane, I'm going to watch it. Nice. All right. So. You know, Tommy, uh, we've already got a couple questions coming in here. One of them from Cornusker Corner. And, you know, a year ago, Day by Day, that movie came out, and that was a great movie watching, you know, the first couple of years as Nebraska started to get from, you know, doing well in the early 90s. But once right. you got there in 92 and the defense makes the change, that combination of things, you guys really started to, to, to take the next step, going from a 9 and 10 win team to – to being able to to win national championships, right? You know, what were what were some of the things? What what's the difference between a 1994 Nebraska team and a 1992 Nebraska team from a leadership standpoint, and and just from the the championship standpoint? Well, I think I think, and not, this is not anything against the classes that came before, 
when I got there. But I think it started. It actually started in '91, the, the '91 class, when you had guys mm-hmm. like Cluster Johnson, Abdul Muhammad, um, Dwayne Harris, the Peter brothers, and then adding myself and then going to the '92 class when you had myself, Tyron Williams, Mike Mentor, um, and the list goes on. To where I think those two classes right there actually changed the trajectory of Nebraska football because you had guys who want to win, came to win, and demanded winning. And I think, and I'm not, that's not saying that they didn't do it before, but you also mm-hmm. you, you had the pieces in place to where we weren't going to let anything, we, we, we come here to win for one thing, that's win championships. And the mentality that we had to where we challenged each other, the coaches really didn't have to police us too much. On the field, when we got off the field, we did have some problems off the field, but which every, every university does. But once we stepped on the football field, the players policed the team. You know, we, we had Damon Benning on last year, and we talked a little bit about the same thing. And one of his answers was that the players started to – how do you say it? It, it? It's that they could root for the other guys on the team. That that made that – that got those guys so special. So he's like – I had to root for LP because LP's taking snaps from me, but you know, I have to learn to do that. And you know, uh, oh, uh, Ed Stewart and, and Ryan Twilliger, and you can go down the list. That, yeah. And even you and Brooke, yeah, you, but, know, you had to kind of root for the other person but, as you're competing. But, but, yeah, but what David's saying that you have to realize LP that come to the next year, you know, so it yeah. wasn't. And so I think we, we were very selfless to where we truly had to come and go to where we didn't care who was playing. Yes. That 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 we're that we're gonna go out there and win football games, and you always you always gonna have egos where one guy think he should be playing more than others, mm. but but it took the coaching staff to under, get us to understand from all area from all angles to it. Whether you're a starter, your backup, number three guy, you gotta be ready to play, and you're gonna get opportunity to play when your chance comes. You gotta be ready, and that's mm. the way, and that's the way we win as players. Say we didn't care if you're the number backup because if ever you see us, the number one guy play a whole season, play a whole game. But the backup, the number two guy, number three guy, got to be ready to play, and and it shouldn't be a drop off and play. And and those players, and then those coaches, and then that, that team, those teams back then, understood that to where didn't matter who's in the, on 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 the field, there won't there wasn't gonna be a drop off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's and that's what he was referring to is that was the difference when it got to ninety four. He was like he started to see that with the team that there was that selflessness of of uh, of the guys, you know, by ninety four. And I'm not trying to say that wasn't there in ninety two, but that that was a difference maker, I guess, right, as, right. as you guys started to, to get to that championship level. Yeah, and and I I was listening to another uh, another one of our Heard at uh, Family podcast last week, and they had um, Keith Enzone Jones on and Ken Kalen, right? And they had those mm-hmm. guys on, and they were talking. And towards the end of the towards the end of the podcast, they they said something, and it, and it actually had me come up with a great question for for you, and that is, you know, those guys they were good. I mean, those were good teams. You know, you can't deny it right in the eighties. Those were, those were great teams, but the one thing they couldn't do is get over that championship hump. Right. Like, and, and one of the things they said about that is, is that a lot of it too, is just how bad they felt for coach Osborne because of the heat that he was taking, you know, how every, at the Mm -hmm. end of every season it was like, is this year he gets fired? Is this year he lets, he gets let go. And so, from another perspective, what was that like for you when you finally won that first championship for him in, in 94 and, and were able to, you know, get him over that hump? I mean, how much, how much did it mean for you to be able to do that for him as a coach? Cause I know how much everybody respected him. And- right. I think it's, it's, it, it, I think we did it more so for him in 94 than we did ourselves. 
because as you know, we came up short in 93. Mr. Field Goal, damn kickers. I can't stand them today. <laughs> Me. And I'm not joking. I don't never really like kickers. But yeah, I wasn't trying to do it. Bottom line. But um, but I think it was I think it was more important for us to win the game for him than us, because because especially for me because I still had another year to left to go, another year to play. We were still we were, we we're actually an older team in '94, and so it's kind of like either this is the year for us to do it or not. But in the back of our minds that we we still a young team offensively, and defense we had a lot of guys coming back. But I think it was important that he finally got that one victory because now it. it it wasn't so much for the for Nebraska fans, it's more so for national media. Nice. Hey Dave, welcome aboard, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for letting okay. me join, guys. <laughs> we got the audio working. The voice. Yeah. Nice. Hey, right. uh, we have a question here from Cornisker Corner. And I know we kind of when we were throwing some questions around as a group prior to the show. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about offense and schemes. And you know, he his question here is uh you had the personnel with the I-Formation old-school option football work today, and by work, I mean national championship contender. I guess we'll start with that, and I have a follow-up after that. But, do you, you know, can the I-Formation work today? Can you go and win the national championship playing old-school football doing that? Well, you go, you, go back and, you go back and look at Alabama before, before they had Tua. You know, they won a lot of championships with the two-back power run game. You, you go look at Georgia before they, before they, before they switched over to their draft. You can win a lot of football games. You win championships. It's based off personnel. You know, it's based off you know, how you coach it up. It's based off all well, the people you have around or around your star players that can get it done. So I think any form of offense can still work even today. But you, the, the, the kids are now looking for the, the big play, the glitz and glamours and going out and, and shine. You don't find kids who want to put in their everyday work every every practice every day work of, of going out there and pounding each other daily and practicing and even the rules and even the rules in college football has changed to where you can't tackle every day in two days you can one day full pass and the next two days and half pass so i think i think that i think there's still a place for it but you got you have to recruit the players that fit that system yeah coach rule even said that that there is eight, I days. Think eight days that they can have full contact and in a fall camp before the first game. And he was a, sad about it too. I, yeah, I, I take a second look at that. <laughs> well, well, any, well, any new coach is going to be sad about that because they don't, they don't, they don't know the makeup of a team. There's a reason why coach rules here at mm-hmm. Nebraska because they, they obviously didn't perform well. So he wants to know what guys can actually tackle, what guys can actually block, what guys can actually hit. And it's hard to figure that out in with spring ball and then eight days. Cause even in spring ball, you, you, you limit to how many days you can be in full pad. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think I get why the rules have changed, but I think it also has, has hurt the game of football. Mm-hmm. Well, along those same lines, uh, if we talk scheme for a second, if you had your choice, did, did you like, the, was the scheme perfect for what you, what your skill set was, or, you know, put yourself back in that 18 year old Tommy Frazier, you know, would you have loved to run what the offenses are today? What, what they're doing at, at Nebraska, what they're doing at Alabama, what they're going to be running with the spread and all that. Or, or were you running the, the perfect scheme for what your your skills were? Well, 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 people didn't realize coming out of high school. My my, my high school head coach was an office coordinator at West Kentucky, coming and he actually came back to my high school in Florida. And he coached my older brothers, but he was he was a multi dimensional offense. The way we ran shotgun, we ran eye, we ran off. We didn't run too much wishbone, but but we're more of the the pro style, more the running gun, more the um the the West Coast offense that you see now in a lot of the game today. So I, so I was prepared to run any offense 
that was put in front of me. Now just coming to Nebraska, knowing that it was more of a a, a, a run power run game, and I want I don't want people to to make them get. And this will bother me more that Nebraska was just an option offense. No option wasn't our main offense. We we're more of a power mm-hmm. game, downhill fullback. Let's get down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Option was just a play of uh, another facet of our game that, that teams have to focus on. But if you go back and look at and the football over the years, we probably ran probably eight nine options a game, but we probably ran the more ISOs and power and gap plays more than that. You know, but but mm-hmm. we we perfected the option and that was a big part of it. But mm-hmm. but I, I thought my skill sets could have could, could play today's game with spread offense and, and still play in the old days. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had Osborne on last Coach Osborne on last year, and we asked him a similar question about what made the offense so good. And to your point there, he didn't just say it was option. He talked about how variable you were from a formation standpoint, that you guys would line up everything from you know double tight full house backfields all the way to five wide receivers and, and everything in between. I still think about you scoring a touchdown against Florida in the five wide receiver set and basically doing a, a quarterback trap out of it. Right. You know, I mean, that's just he like, you know, he beat them by alignment before they even snapped the ball. You know, they were already out of it. So and, and that's and, and, and people always say that, that the, 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 the spread offenses right now is, is something new. But that was out. That was that was out. That was Coach Osborne's mindset to where it's all a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we bring in two tight ends in the game. They, they bring they bring in eight guys in the box. Guess what? We're going to throw a quick game. If they break, if they let give opportunity to run the football, we're gonna run it. So it's all numbers. So that started with him. It didn't start with Chip Kelly or Hal Mummy or Mike Leach or all God bless their souls. <laughs> God, Coach Oz was one of the first ones to always play the numbers game. Mm-hmm. Dave, I'll give you a second to think up your next question here. But uh, while I'm doing that, Andrew, uh, what was it like playing on that old AstroTurf? It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> My, my my freshman year was the first year we actually got new AstroTurf. And so I don't know if people understand when AstroTurf is new, it's razor sharp. And, mm-hmm. so, and so if you follow, you, you follow, mm-hmm. you get carpet burns and like razor type cuts in your arm and, and or big cherries and the, where you, it, it rips the skin off, skin off your body. And so it sucks. So that's why you always saw a lot of guys wearing sleeves or stuff on, on, on mm-hmm. the party body because they knew when it, once they hit the ground there on the new turf. They they gonna come out with some carpet burns, but mm-hmm. it's, but it was also a good surface for Midwest because you know late in the season the weather gets bad, and and so you and, you know play on grass and snow you know, like you're doing in 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 Green Bay it's not very good and so so turf is good for cold weather climates but when it but early in the season when it's hot. And the, and the heat hits off of it. It's not very good. It sucks. The, the, the Nebraska turf, not the Missouri Omni turf or whatever they had up there. That, that well, like sand in it or something. But, well, most most of the fields were sand based. They just put a little bit more sand on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nowadays they take like r- old like rubber tires and grind them up into like yeah. pebbles and throw that on mm-hmm. there for it. And it's that's that actually doesn't even feel good either. Yeah, but so. it's, <laughs> underneath it's still a bunch of it's it's, it's, still, it's still a lot of sand up underneath. They just perfected how the sand doesn't come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dave, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I had to leave and come back, guys. I wanted to make sure I had good audio. Um, have you guys talked about uh, Nebraska or Colorado at all yet? No, uh, go for no, it. no, no. I, I asked Tommy. I mean, just your your memories of playing CU. Just for backstory, um, I'm I'm as a, a Redcast member here. I'm going to the Minnesota game and the Colorado game. Uh, look forward to seeing you out here in Estes Park 
uh, in September. I have not seen Nebraska win a road game since 1995. Right, right. Uh, I am completely, uh, I'm a, I'm, maybe I am the curse. I don't know. Um, but I'm hoping <laughs> we're going to break that. But um, I enjoyed Nebraska thumping CU back in 95. Do you have great memories of, of beating Colorado yourself? Well, well, Colorado's so Colorado's more personal for me than anything. And when I played them, I had more of an edge on my shoulder playing them than any other school. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize this, but Colorado was one of the first schools. Was they actually offered me a scholarship for Nebraska then? And Colorado, I think, was my first recruiting trip. Oh, and yeah. and so I go out to Colorado, and they always had this deal to where if they bring you out the first two or three weeks in the season, they always brought people they offered scholarships. And they're expecting for you to commit on that trip. And if mm-hmm. you didn't commit, then they didn't guarantee a scholarship. Well, I love Colorado. I love being out there. You know, our time you had Darren Hagan showed me around. It really showed me around because it was still around. Cordell Stewart was there. Um, Mad Dog, who's a strength coach, and fell in love with him. And I, you know, I go to the meeting, go to the meeting with Bill McCartney. You know, you always have an exit meeting. And how you like it? So I loved it. Want to be here. You know, but I'm not going to make a decision because I always told my parents coming from Florida, going to leave the state, I'm going to make sure they're okay with it. And I said, just give me eight hours because that's about the time I left there and get home and give me eight hours and I'll give you guys a call. Well, eight hours passed and I was getting ready to call them and I, and I can't remember Les Stecco, who was office quarter at the time, called me and said, hey, how's, how was the trip? Love the trip. Just got finished talking. I was getting ready to call you. And then he said, well, I just want to let you know that since you didn't commit when you're out here, um, we um, we extended an offense to Core Detmer, and so he accepted. So we're going to change our offense to that, and and so we don't have a, a scholarship for you as a quarterback. We still want you to come. And I was like, "Well, coach, I was just getting to call you and let you know I was, I was going. I'm coming to Colorado." And he's like, "What? What? 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 What?" And I say, "Well, since you didn't give me, come respect me, give me enough time for a Florida kid coming, damn it, across the country, and yeah. just it was okay with, then." No, no go. So I had multiple phone calls that night trying to get fine, but but I was actually I actually wanted to be a, a Buffalo before I became a Husker. That's oh, a great wow. story. Wow, but they turned me down though. Yeah, <laughs> like used car salesman. Tactics I think they regret yeah, that decision. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I think I think they do too. But hey, you know, people make decisions, and and and, and who knows if I went to Colorado where I had the same career? I don't know, but it, it worked out for everyone. Hmm. You know, uh, one I guess was it Kevin Steele? Was he your your main recruiter for Nebraska that, yeah. that got you up there? Yes, Kevin Steele was the main. That's, that's my guy. I talk with Kevin Steele all the time. Still, yeah, defensive coordinator right now at Alabama, and he's mm-hmm. you know still out there doing a great job. But what I mean, what was his? I don't want probably not saying it right. What was his pitch or how? What did he say? What was it about Kevin that made you want to come to this uh, you know state right in the central part of the country? You know, I think I think when when you're recruiting, a lot of a lot of coaches lie to you and, and feed and tell you this could happen, that can happen, this going to happen, that going to happen, just to get you on campus and you get on campus doesn't happen. But Kevin still never once said that Tommy Frazier come in and start as a freshman. Kevin still never once said that Tommy Frazier can be a runner for Highland Trophy. Kevin still never said Tommy Frazier come in and win championships. Kevin still said, "Hey Tommy, you're the you're our number one guy. I know we have on campus." You can be the guy that leads us to the next next level, but you got to go in and prove it. And that's all anybody wants to hear, you know, because even Notre Dame was recruiting. They had Rick Meyer there, and they say, oh, we're going to bring you here. You're going to register the first year, and then you, you then we'll see what happens after that. Syracuse told me the same thing. And it's like no freshman who think they're who who, who think they, they're, they're a good football player wants to hear that. No matter what you do, you're going to register. 
how do you know how good I can be? And but Nebraska, I've always told them that hey, you're gonna have opportunity to play the freshman. But when you get the opportunity, you guys, you gotta prove it. And and that's what really sold me here. And Coach Osborne came in, and he never once talked about football. He always talked about graduating from school, getting great academic education that we're gonna be to support him no matter what. And those are the things that sold my parents on it. And so that's why Nebraska eventually became the place where I decided to come. Mm-hmm. And you did play early. First, you know, freshman got out there against Missouri, what, in about game five or six? And, mm-hmm. and you're starting right. I mean, that's a that's an incredible. I mean, were you ex- in your mind coming in? Did you think you'd be starting already by then? Or did you think you'd be starting earlier? Or what? I mean, I know you're confident, but you know, well, where were you at? I was a confident guy, but I knew I thought that I could have came in if they wanted to start it. But there's mm-hmm. things that I need to do to learn offense, learn audible system, because it was a totally different system than I which I grew up with because most people think most people play football even on the right odds or the left. Never mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Coach Osborne is one through nine straight across, so odds yep. on both sides. So that that was an adjustment there. And then the and so it's one of those deals to where you, you just that alone right there, you had to learn. And so I knew early on that there was a challenge for me, but as as the season progressed and the more I got to be part of it, the more I learned and I felt that I can play this game at the highest level. And and I went out there and just made sure that I, that I prepared the way I should be prepared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another question here. This oh, is from this is Zach Danauer here. Zach says, Tommy, what was your favorite season game play of your Husker career? You can pick any one of three or all three of those. Well, well, the, well, well the, the, my favorite season was 93. Because that I think that was the year though, to where we had everything – there to that we should have we should have won it that year. No one gave us a chance, but we played well enough to win it. And we're a relatively young team then. I think mm-hmm. my my favorite play was the Colorado play my senior year when I was got hit trying to be sacked and still they would get the ball to my my green down and and it kept the drive going. You know, so I but it's it's hard to pick out favorite plays favorite season because they all were great seasons. Every every season, every every season was different. You learn something, and then you, you can pull out great things from every season. But just off the top of my head, the, the, the my favorite play, and I know people think the run was my favorite play, which wasn't. <laughs> you know, but but, but, but the, the pass to mine and at the Colorado game my senior year meant more to me than the run. So yeah. going back to the, to that to the competition and everything, and, and knowing you had to earn your spot. I mean, you were benched in your career there too, at one point too. I mean, no, I was never benched. No, I wasn't never benched. benched, but I mean, Peace, Rob, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to say benched. I maybe benched he wasn't isn't the right benched. Word, he like, had blood clots for Christ's sake. Yeah, but you, anyway, well, I, no, but well, I mean, <laughs> he came back. You, yeah, he did. And then, and then you came in in the Miami game, but then you were, you were, you were pulled in that right. Brooks came in, and then you were put back in, and that—that's where I was going with that. Thank you, Honky. That's the misnomer that people thought that that I was benched. If you go and Coach Osborne, we had already said, and Coach Osborne said it didn't matter going back to the orange starting the game. Whoever started the game, the next guy was going to play the second quarter, no matter mm-hmm. what. And 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 whoever leading the team the best is going going to stay in the game. And so, so if I start the game, and and, and people remember when I threw that interception, right, when, uh, last drive in the first quarter, it was like two minutes left in the clock. We never got the ball back, but it was second quarter. So Coach Osborne did what? Put and put Brooke in the second quarter, and so then that was that was planned. Though. It was planned, and so Brooke let the team down and scored. So right, so Brooke should have been the guy who went back in there. And mm-hmm. I think 
But when people say I was benched, no, it was already a planned process. We could have been up, we could have been up ten nothing. Brooke was going the game because Coach Osborne was always a man of his word. Tommy, to maybe roll back to to ninety two because I feel like that's more interesting to me and and less known, right? Um, about your career, could you talk a little bit more about like what the 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 culture and the mentality was in ninety two? And, and how it kind of evolved over those next couple of years. We were obviously a winning program at that point and winning nine nine games a year, but we right. weren't getting over the hump. And, and and you know, coach was perceived, oh, you just couldn't win the big one. And, uh, you know, just talk about like maybe when you came into that first game in, in, in 92 in Missouri and then as that progressed through the year, did did the, the belief, I guess, of some of your teammates kind of start to change? And did you feel the momentum there that early? Well, I think the momentum changed with that. Like I said earlier, you weren't part of the 91 class and the 92 class. Set mm-hmm. up and because a lot of those, a lot of those guys in the 91 class was starting to see more time on the playing field. And then when me coming in and, and actually starting as a freshman, it showed the whole state, the whole program, that they're going to play the best players. No matter what, mm-hmm. sophomore June, the best players gonna be on the field. So, well, that didn't happen a lot in the past before, but it was, no but it was the time now to where Coach Osborne felt that if there's a, if there's a freshman, if there's a sophomore that deserves to start, and he's the best player. We're gonna play him, and I think that changed the culture. I think that changed the mentality of even the players that were on campus already who were freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Say, hey, if I learn what I need to do, I'm gonna play. And so, mm-hmm. so as the years progress, you start to see a lot more. Rest your freshmen, rest your sophomores, two sophomores playing more, and I think that I think that's what really changed the trajectory of the Nebraska football program. Not not saying that because you go back the year before that, it was predominantly junior seniors and then some sophomores. Yeah, right. yeah, no, I mean, as a fan who had sit through all the eighties, I mean, I re- I mean, remember like. Are they going to start Tommy Frazier? Are you kidding me? And then, then when we saw it, it was like, oh, I mean, this is it was, it was pretty pretty obvious from a fan perspective. Like, why? But that was a big deal to not have just a, a like to your point, a junior or senior had been there for three years. I mean, well, it did feel like it signaled something to the fan base. I, well, I, I get what you're saying. It was a change, it was a change of guard nationally because I think Bobby Bob was one of the first person to play true freshmen and sophomores, and his was that I'm recruiting these guys at my university. If they can't play for me as a junior, a junior, a freshman, a sophomore, then I need to go find someone else. Because I'm not going, I'm not going, I need to go find someone else that can. Because if you play as a freshman, sophomore at Power Five schools, there's a good chance you're not going to handle the full time. They're going to mm-hmm. go pro something. So I think Coach Osborne started realizing that that if we have these young guys, let's get them out there and play because we want to make sure that we get get what we need out of them. Now instead of waiting a couple of years and then they're gone, we get one good year and they're gone anyway. Yeah. You know, Tommy, we started with the the ninety two. Let's kind of move towards the very end. Then ninety five. There, help me out here. With, I don't know if this is myth or if this is true, but the you and Brooke have the the off season competition leading up to your senior years. And mm-hmm. what I had heard was that it literally it came down to one or two plays in practice, one or two turnovers, and that was the difference that that Coach Osborne graded everything, and it came down to that and. You graded that much better than than Brooke, but it was that close, and and then you know history has made that, that senior year. That that was the the, the start of the Orange Bowl. Okay, it, it came down to one. It came down to actually one turnover. Okay, Brooke had one more turnover than I did preparation for 
for the, um, the, the the championship game. But going to the spring practice and and love Brooke and people thought me and him always had beef. We didn't like each other. You know, when you got two people competing for the same position, you know, you're not gonna be best friends, but you but you're gonna do everything. You help each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill, simply because he's from Goodland, Kansas. I'm from I'm from Brayton, Florida. I'm from the Gulf Coast beaches, sunshine, bikinis. He's from cows, corn, and whatever you want to call. It. We didn't we didn't we didn't have a similarities there. But in spring, I, I true I won a job back as I did before because I was the best player. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it didn't come down to a turnover in spring. That what you're talking about that was the, that was the orange start when the championship started. So the orange bowl, not not the not the off season then. Uh, not off season. Okay. I was clearly I was clearly the guy. And, and even though Coach Osborne said, "Hey, we're gonna take this the competition to to the fall season because you can't you can't tell you can't say." That this is my job in spring after coming off the after what we just had. You gotta give guys, gotta give people hope. And there was a lot of players that way. It was just quarterback position, mm-hmm. you know, running back position. You know, you know, with Lawrence Phillips coming in as a sophomore, you still had Damon Ben and Clinton Childs, who were competing for a position. But at, but at the end of the day, when it, when it came back to the fall camp, it was clear clear that I was that I won the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, one little fun fact: I was actually that spring, I was. I was a senior in high school, and I was trying out to be a manager on the team. I didn't make it. Not, I, apparently, I wasn't good enough. But I was on the field. <laughs> to make a man. Wow. Yeah, this shows the uh, the skill sets I have, right? But I so I was on the field with you. I caught a pass from you. You were returning punts. You're you're taking a couple of punts uh, in spring ball, yeah. and uh, you caught one, kind of ran a little bit, and then threw it to me. And I I caught it and gave it to uh, Aaron Graham to to snap it again. But uh, I just remember you back there, and I think I think if I remember Coach saying it, he was doing it to he was trying to get you a couple of reps there. That anything that can maybe was that for like NFL kind of purposes, anything to kind of give you a couple more uh, views. You know, people don't realize I actually returned punts in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Tyron mm-hmm. Wood actually did it, but then he had a hard time catching the ball and what doing so they put me back there just to just to secure the catch because and then it started making run and making plays. So. It wasn't. It wasn't new to me. It had nothing to do with NFL. It's just something that I did. Because okay. if you go back and look at, there was a lot of back then. There was a lot of athletic quarterbacks that were doing it. People don't forget that when Colorado won the championship, Darren Hagan, the starting quarterback, returned punts. Hmm. And so at the time, you just want to try to put the best guy back there. And I was more so for emergency purposes, not necessarily just to do it in games. You know, mm-hmm. I have a backup in case your top two guys go down. You gotta have a backup. So. And I wanted to do it just to have fun. It was more so me just having fun. Show back that can do it. So for first, I want to apologize for for saying you were bench. I that, that that's that's my uh, that's my well that's my fault for watching all of like the highlight videos and like right. listening to the national announcers say stuff like that, and then it gets in your head. But secondly, I just want to point out too that if Honky can catch one of your passes, anybody should have been able to catch any of your passes. So but let's just be clear on that. You should have had a hundred percent completion you know, on there because that's obviously on the receivers that had nothing to do with you. Cause if honky can catch your pass, anybody can catch your pass. The difference is it wasn't, it wasn't actually a pass. It's more of just an underhand toss. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it says that I should have been the manager. I mean, at least I <laughs> it was selling to your daughter. You don't throw a full way. You like kind of lob it underhand and softly. That's what it was. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate that. You I, actually handed it to him, I think. Yeah, I saw I saw how hard you threw it to Eric Alford in the end zone, man. That's that's a hard ball. I don't want to catch that. So <laughs> I got you. Oh man. Um, we have a question here from Preston Hillier. Uh, he goes, 
did your fire and desire to win come from inside you or is that something coaching brought out of you? That's, that's all me. You, you know, you go back and look at any, any champion and any great player, any player, when you play a game, you want to be in. And no one can teach you how to win. It got to come within because it's all mental. Winning is mental. Motivation is mental. Either you have it or you don't. You, a coach can try to pull at you, but if you, but if you don't have the will, the mentality to do it yourself, it's not going to happen. And and it comes from me because I always wanted to be the best in everything that I've done. That I did. And people, and it's kind of funny because when you look at when you look at the um the the the, the documentary on uh, Michael Jordan, Save the Last Dance, mm-hmm. and and his his will to win, and as and and I had many of my many of my teammates call me and say that was you. That, that 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 I'm gonna I'm going out to give 100. percent I, I perfect expect perfection, and I'm gonna give it to you. I expect it from you. And if I'm being an asshole, you don't like me. That's fine. But we're gonna win. And I think that, that that's that comes from within within me want to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, so, let's uh let's transition a little bit into some of today's talk of college football today. Some big changes: NIL, transfer portal. Mm-hmm. How would how, you know what? And and I guess we can go back and forth between the '90s and today. How would NIL and transfer portal have affected Nebraska in '93, '94, '95? Would it affected it? Would would Coach Osborne have had a you know a stranglehold over it where it wouldn't have had an effect? Or how would that affect it back then? And and how great would it be to be playing today if you're a college player and, and having those well, know, those options? Well, the the one thing I can say back then, it, it, I, I wouldn't have to struggle. For meals on, on doing days when we couldn't eat at train table, mm-hmm. the it was good. But, it, but when you look back in the '95 and '90s, relative day, a million dollars a day back in '95 wouldn't have been a million dollars. It wasn't the same value. Mm-hmm. And cost of living wouldn't be the same. So you, that's how I tell people you can't look at it that way. But I think it has made the game rate players be quitters on their teammates. And, and when I say that, they're chasing the money, and not the friendship and the passion to, to play. Because I, I, if I remember correctly, my freshman year, we had 24 people that signed with my class. And I think we only had like four or five that left through the whole four years, five years that they were over there. there. You, you won't see that again because with the NIL transfer portal, I think it's, it's easier to quit. I call it quitting. When people transfer because they don't, they're not getting what they want, they're quitting on their teammates. And how can you trust that person when they leave? Now, I understand there's, there's circumstances where players have to leave or in the case like, like Joe Burrow, he knew that he wasn't going to play because so he transferred. I have no problem with that. But for guys to leave to go to, go to the university because they're not happy because they're not getting playing time, how do you know? They want to blame the coaches. And so I think NIL and, and the transfer portal is actually hurting the game because because of, of what's going on. The, and you having people jump from school to school because of money instead of because of the, the passion they want to play. The game is not as good today as what it was 30 years ago because of it. It hasn't been an improvement in that sense. And, and it hasn't. And, 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 and NFL is not the same. Because, because when you start putting adding big money to it, the TV contracts, the coaches' salaries, that changed the whole game, and so I, and so I, I, I commend those guys who stay at one university for four or five years, 
because it shows that they're there at a school because they love the school, they love the team, they love the atmosphere. But, you know, you have guys who transfer from one school to one school three or four times because they can't, and there's no there's no penalty for it. I, I've learned a long time ago, if I can't leave my job and go work and, and not have another job and still get paid. You know, so I, so mm-hmm. I think that it's hurting, it's hurting college sports. Now, I do agree that that the players should benefit more from what the NCAA, the, from, the, from the revenue side of things. But I think this this was the wrong way. There, there was no cap of how you roll the NIL out. It's, it's a free-for-all. It's, it, you just, any player can make whatever they want to where they should have been a cap. Freshmen shouldn't earn anything. You come on campus, you earn it. Once you earn it by whether you started or whether you played, then you earn it. Now you got a, you got a guy coming out of high school based on potential, making three million dollars. Might not ever play a down. Yeah, transfer afterward, one semester, one year. Yeah, so it's stuff like that. It, I agree with NIL; if something should happen, but make them earn it. Don't just give yeah. it to all potential. Coach Osborne, when he was on here, he said the NCAA he goes they just kicked the can down the road and. They kind of created the mess by never essentially fixing the, the basic issue that you're referring to of where if you had players that, that didn't come from, you know, big financial backgrounds and, and they're struggling to eat on days that you're not having, you know, the, the training table. I mean, that should never have been happening back then. But the, right. the answer to it isn't necessarily what they've gone to now either. But, you know, and I know along the way, I think Coach Osborne, even when he was a, a, a congressman, he helped do some legislation with like, with like cost of attendance they they did some things with what used to be called like laundry money they right. did things where they were, were able to bring in some of the the extra money for students on top of their scholarships just to be able to provide the basics but yeah to your point that that's a whole different ar- argument than three million dollar contracts for guys that can transfer in, in six months and never play it down for you or it's becoming a recruiting ploy i just heard the, um the quarterback from maryland said or a school from the sec offered him 1.5 million dollars transfer there well, mm-hmm. before that would never happen, where you get that kind of tampering. But that's what is that's what is turning to, and I think it's hurting the game, and mm-hmm. not the good, but for the for the worse. Curious, I'm curious how you feel too about. Um, I mean, I'll kind of transition this there, but also kind of stick to you know then versus now. How do you think your your game would would translate now? to it like who who would you compare yourself to as far as like quarterbacks that are you know going from now to into the nfl even with some of the changes the way the nfl is operating their offenses i don't i don't compare myself to anybody i, I compare myself to being the one who got who was able to get the, the guys that are playing now were able to do what they're doing because of my style of play that i had i think i was a year maybe a year or two or four times but i think i think i don't compare myself to anyone i think i was different but I think you when, you when you look at a lot of the things from the Tim Tebow's to the Lamar Jackson, the Cam Newtons to to the Justin Fields, the Michael Vicks, I think those guys got the opportunities based off what I did. I agree. Yeah, I agree. you watched that, would, that from a that opening. What's that? I, I was just gonna say, from a size standpoint, I think the only one comparable to you would have been maybe Tebow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you see you out on the field there, and and you're almost like a linebacker with the ball running. Down the right, field. right. No, Cam, Cam Newton was bigger, so Cam Newton's big. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you watch that that highlight uh, reel that we had at the beginning there, and I think to your point, a lot of the style of what you did is what you're seeing quarterbacks now doing, and what you're seeing it even in the NFL, which that was that was definitely not seen in the NFL back in the '90s. 
And um, I mean, you think about the accolades that you've had, the only three time MVP in national championship games ever, never been done before three, uh, was it three straight seasons, including yeah. a, including a loss where you beat out Charlie Ward, the Heisman trophy winner that year, you beat him out for the MVP. I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, I, I can just speak as a fan at that time, even the 94 game, I never felt, I, I felt beat down as a fan that we couldn't get over the hump. That, that, right. that was my thing. And, and, and it seems silly to say it now, especially after we've been having four and eight seasons, but back then, you know, 10 and one, 10 and two, whatever, I, I didn't think we could get over the hump. And it wasn't until Kareem Moss caught that interception against, against Miami, where I was like, okay, we won. Now right. I didn't, now I know I did not share the same confidence that you shared. I mean, and you, you actually had something to do with it. I'm just a fan sitting at home, but by 95, the difference in that confidence, I can remember sitting with Dave, we were watching it and I'm like, there's no way we're losing this Florida team. I don't care who, I don't care what Lee Corso says. I don't right. care if this game's on grass or Omniturf or whatever the hell you want to play it on. We're going to beat the, we're going to wipe the, the field with these guys. There was some, something confidence wise changed so much as in me as a fan, but just watching you guys from 93 to 94 to 95, I mean, that was just amazing to watch the, the program change and, and, and the, the impression that people had about it change. Well, I think that comes from the, the players that we had to where, to where there, there was a stigma on a team to where we don't need you to come in here and be a starter. We need you to come in here and fill in holes that, that need to be filled. Cause we, we have the starters, you know, we have the one and two thought we just need you to come in and help. If you're not, you're not willing to help, then you're not, we don't want you here. And I think that was the mentality when it goes back to like we were a very selfless, selfless team to where we didn't care who was on the football field, who was playing the game. We're rooting for them. We're cheering for them. We're helping them. You know, there's times when I remember times in 94 when I was out and, and Brooke would come to the sideline and he would say, well, Tom, what did you see there? And and, and vice versa. We, we, we helped each other because at the end of the day, we all had the same, the same goal was to win football games. And that's that's that was the reason why we become we come from different economical backgrounds, different climates, different regions, different parts of the United States. The common goal was we're teammates, and our goal was to win championships. And no matter whether you played or not, we're gonna do everything everything we can to help each other win. And that's what we did. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, it, the the recruiting job that that Coach Steele and Coach Osborne must have done on you. I mean, here you are. 35 years later, did you think you're living in Omaha right now? Did you think in, in 1991, 92, as you're being recruited, not only are you going to come to Nebraska to play football, but do you think in 2023 you're going to be living in Nebraska here and 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 still the biggest, you know, as big a Husker fan as you are? You know, you know, no, I didn't. But when you get married and you have a, a, um, a wife who ex-wife who's from South Dakota, and you have kids. It's kind of one of those deals. You, you know, I don't know how many of you guys are married, but when the wife said that she wants to go somewhere <laughs> work. On, you have no control of that, and and that's what it was. Yep. I was coaching at Baylor University. We had two options: we moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Black guy, Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and moving a moving a, a female to, from who was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Florida. No family there. Not going to happen. So we settled in Omaha, and Omaha is a great city, great community, great people here, and and that's why I'm still here. But not gonna be here much longer though. I let people know I'm not, when my daughter grads, my daughter will be a junior in high school, and when she graduates, then the transition back south will will is it be full effect. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be a Husker <laughs> fan down south. Say that again. 
Then you'll be a Husker fan down south? I will be a Husker fan down south. Yes, I will. <laughs> my pies and margaritas and drinking crown on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Maybe we'll join you. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, welcome to come. I'm, I'm glad I have your number. I'll just text you next time I need to get out. <laughs> you might want to block that number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tommy, you might want to block that number. Well, time. it's funny too because we had, um, I actually, uh, we had Coach Osborne on last summer, and um, you know, I, I, I helped, uh, you know, accommodate that. And I texted. Rob, him you today. haven't been texting him, have you? So, well, hang around. See what I mean. That. First of all, I only text him on his birthday to wish him happy birthday. <laughs> right. All right. I can condo- I I texted him condolences when when one of your former coaches passed. Yeah. And then I texted him today to say, "Hey, we're having Tommy on the show tonight. And is there any funny stories or anything you want me to say to kind of throw him off a little bit <laughs> that, you know, just to see if we can get like a good reaction out of him?" And his response back to me was, "Just tell him I said hello." That's so that, that is him. Yeah, and and it's funny cuz I I sent that to to Boomer here and Boomer said sounds on brand and I said it's exactly what I expected to get back from him. Right. And, and you know, yeah. I got I mean, people people know Coach Osborne and then this is a funny story. I think it was my first sophomore year, you know, we weren't playing too well. Defense weren't playing too well and and we were going over offenses uh, plays that we had ran and how they were versus defense and then something happened. And the Coach Osborne actually cursed. He used a profanity. And I looked at him and he looked at me and winked his eye and went back to the room with my coaching. And after the game, I said, Coach, you're not the saint you think you are, are you? And he started laughing. <laughs> you know, so, so, so don't, don't, even though he's very religious, he still had, he's still very competitive. Yeah. And then yeah. he's still going to what people don't realize, Coach Osborne, he is very competitive and he's very challenging when it comes to sports, to where he wants to be the best and he's going to fight mm-hmm. and compete. Just like any other coach. So I uh, one of the things too, and, and it kind of to transition into this question too, because um when I said I was asking him for some funny, funny stories, you know, people have heard all the stories over the years from you and everything. Is there anything that any stories, any funny things like maybe on road trips or maybe like pre-game or you know, maybe something said on the field that you haven't shared before that is like appropriate to share here that you might want to like tell the people well, listening right well, now. There's anything I shared is appropriate. Anything I haven't shared is not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's a uh, that's a great question. <laughs> Sorry. That's... Well, cor- Cornusker Corner here asks: Is there is there any truth? The inappropriate thing that happened on the field. We talk about those amongst ourselves. We keep that in house, you know. But there's a lot of stuff that happened. All the all doing doing pregame warmers that you hear, and so and and you know about those things, but but, but we I made a pact to anything that happened that was inappropriate, we're gonna keep those between ourselves. <laughs> well, that, so maybe you know, corner to corner here he goes. Is there any truth to your famous? It ain't it's ain't where I've been, big boy. It's where I'm going. Response to Warren Sapp talking crap in the Orange Bowls. That you, you know, you know that is true. But I was the one who brought it up. You know, Aaron Graham. They asked Aaron Graham a question. <laughs> In the post game, and he's the one that brought it up. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. told him forgot about it. But people don't people don't realize Warren Sapp and myself. We we face each other throughout all throughout high school and little league because he grew up in Orlando and I grew up in, in the Braden Braden Palmetto area. And so our little league football system always all star games and high schools we played each other. And so we always had like a, a good competitive relationship. And it was just one of those deals where we knew each other. He said something to me and I don't like it, and I said. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah. that, that was true. That was true. That's, That's great. awesome. 
Anybody have anything else for for touchdown Tommy? No, nah, I think I think I'm a day you want to go to I mean, really appreciate it. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me on here. You know, I don't do a lot of these, but my, my, my friend Gary Nevada asked me to do this for you guys, and I actually had fun with you guys. You guys have been one, one of the funner groups that I've done this for. So I just appreciate you guys' professionalism, and guys like to have fun and continue the great work. And and just anyone who hasn't gotten the tickets, come out and see us on September eighth or September seventh, and it's gonna be a great night. And then let's go down to Boulder and 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 root Nebraska on to a victory. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you there too, and just meeting you in person, and you know, shaking your hand and thanking you in person for uh, coming on tonight. You know, I, I'm, I promise you I'm a lot more funner in person than I'm on. on. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us some of those stories you won't share here. There, how's that? Get, you know, get a, get a couple of crowns on me, and then you you might hear some of them. I might just bring a whole bottle. Now that yeah, you say that, Jack, <laughs> Jack we're getting some. I hear you have more than just a couple of stories. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. well, Dave. Should we should we get to some parting shots here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go to the Boomer really quick, and we'll finish with Tommy. Well, just a simple parting shot. I I know uh, sports betting is now legal in our fine state of Nebraska and Lincoln, especially. But would just like to advise any uh, current Husker players to maybe not bet on uh, Husker sports this season. Just kind of wait and see what shakes out. You know, you can just look across the river and see how that's going. So keep that in that's mind. Good advice, Boomer. Good advice, good advice. Rob. My only parting shot is what is going on at Northwestern? My God, their volleyball coach couldn't even make it to the press conference today and, and all that stuff with Pat Fitzgerald. Just my Lord, it's a, that's what you get. Those private schools. They're just too <laughs> smart for themselves. They run. Yeah. 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 All right. Hockey. Uh, well, thank you, Tommy, for, for doing this tonight. This has been a ton of fun here and for fans of our age. Uh, we're all mid nineties guys. Uh, this has been a real honor for us. Uh, I do want to say that tomorrow night uh, I am going to be the guest actually on the fan forum. Mac is going to be on with me. And so I'm going to be the the guest on the fan forum. And next week, we don't have an exact time and date yet uh, down, but I think Brett Ciancia of pick six previews is going to come on for our annual preseason pick them, you know, whatever extravaganza that we call it. So anyways, uh, those are the next couple shows, but tomorrow night, join us for a fan forum with me. I'm going to listen in. That sounds awesome. I definitely will. (laughs) All right, Tommy, you get our last parting shot. Take it away. My parting shot is that, hey, you guys continue the great work. You continue bringing bringing on great guests and and, and continue to promote Nebraska football, the University of Nebraska, because I know it's hard right now when the football program is not doing well, but there's still a lot of great things that are going on with the University of Nebraska. And and keep promoting that and and keep rooting. and, and, And I wish you guys nothing but the best. Thank Absolutely. You. That's one thing we can guarantee. We're always going to be a uh, Nebraska fan. So that's great. All right. Well, great show, guys. Uh, thanks again to Touchdown Tommy Frazier for joining us. For now, let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. Go Big Red. GBR. Heard at Sports Network Production.